0: Welcome to the late night fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is the head vampire herself, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, are all who wander lost?
1: No, unless you're a murdering sumpitch and bloodlust and vampire.
0: I have a feeling that might have something to do with tonight's film. It might before we get to that welcome to the show be you a spook specter or an astral traveler from dimension x who may be tuning in or here in the studio with us welcome
1: and greetings and salutations to all murder and sumbitch and bloodlust and vampires you know who you are
0: and so do we faith what is on the slab for post-mortem tonight
1: From director Joel Schumacher, we have 1987's The Lost Boys, starring Jason Patrick, Corey Haim, Kiefer Sutherland, and Corey Feldman.
0: Released on July 31, 1987, The Lost Boys was a critical and commercial success and also helped rehabilitate the image of the vampire in the public consciousness from that of old and decrepit to something sleeker, sexier, younger, sparklier. That was a few years off but yes faith you can trace the origins of sparkly vampires back to this film
1: and yet somehow i still respect this
0: movie as well you should the story and initial script drafts were concocted by janice fisher and james jeremias the story was peppered with references to the classic story peter pan and the movie's title is derived from peter's gang of children in neverland that never grow old
1: The original script drafts featured vampires that were more juvenile in the 13 to 14-year-old age bracket and the Frog Brothers were described as chubby eight-year-old Cub Scouts.
0: It was an adventure story more in the vein of The Goonies and that film's director, Richard Donner, was even scheduled to direct it. Because of scheduling issues, Donner decided to produce the film and turned over directing duties to Joel Schumacher, fresh off the success of 1985's St. Elmo's Fire.
1: Joel Schumacher passed away on June 22, 2020, and is unfortunately best remembered by many for his two Batman films, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and his decision to put nipples on the Batsuit.
0: He was a little more than that, though, wasn't he? I think so. We'll get into that tonight as well. Schumacher decided the vampires needed to be older and sexier, so he brought in screenwriter Jeffrey Boehm to rewrite the script.
1: We talked about the late Jeffrey Boehm on our episode that featured The Dead Zone. He also wrote the script for Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade.
0: Recently divorced Lucy Emerson, played by two-time Academy Award winner Diane Weist, and her two sons Michael and Sam, played by Jason Patrick and Corey Haim, respectively, have just moved to Santa Carla, California.
1: The murder capital of the world.
0: It even says so on the town billboard. They're going to live with Lucy's eccentric father, portrayed by Barnard Hughes, while at a concert on the beach featuring the super buff and super sexually suggestive saxophone player Tim Capello performing the song I Still Believe, Michael Meets Star, played by Jamie Gertz. It is through her that Michael meets David and his band of vampires. David is portrayed by Kiefer Sutherland, and his gang is comprised of Brooke McCarter, Billy Worth, and Bill S. Preston Esquire himself, Alex Winter.
1: While all of this is going on, Lucy is making real nice with Max, portrayed by Edward Herman, most recognizable for his work on the Gilmore Girls.
0: And while Lucy is playing footsie with Max, Sam is making friends with Edgar and Alan Frog, Self-professed vampire hunters played here by Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander.
1: Will Michael turn into a vampire?
0: Will the Frog Brothers be successful in their vampire hunting?
1: Why does Sam have a picture of Rob Lowe on his closet door?
0: And who is the head vampire?
1: These questions and more will be answered tonight on the Late Night Friday.
0: We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. When we get back, it's 1987's The Lost Boys. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We'll see you on the other side. It's 1201, the witching hour. You're listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio.
1: You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> Having everything back to normal. I'm a
2: vampire and I've come to suck your blood. Blah! Oh!
1: This cape is giving me a rash. Grandpa's a vampire. We're all vampires. But
0: no, we killed Mr. Burns.
2: You have to kill the head vampire.
0: You're the head vampire? No, I'm the head
1: vampire. <laughs> I do have a life outside this house, you know.
2: Ah! Happy Halloween, everybody!
0: Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan.
1: And I am Faith.
0: Are you the head vampire, Faith? I just might be. To answer the questions that we posed right there at the end of the last segment. Number one, yes, Michael turns into a vampire, sort of. <laughs> Two, yes, the Frog Brothers kill them, a murder murdering some bitch and bloodlust and vampire. Three, Sam has a picture of Rob Lowe on his door because Joel Schumacher had just directed him in St. Elmo's Fire, although I do think it was a little strange that, you know, Rob Lowe <laughs> a little bit. was on the wall. And number four, well, we'll save that for last, who the head vampire is. Spoilers. This movie <laughs> is how many years old now? 30? 34, something. going on 35, <laughs> 35 years or something like that. Sure. All right. So, and funny enough, this was a first time watch for you, was it not? It
1: was. I had seen very brief moments of it, but not a whole, like I never sat down and watched the whole thing.
0: Have you, have you had the experience where you've seen a movie completely, but you've never seen the entire movie in one sitting from start to finish, but you've seen the pieces of it. Like, yes. Yeah. Do you know I'm that way with dirty dancing? I, I
1: know. I have
0: never <laughs> seen dirty dancing in its entirety from start to finish, but I have seen the entire movie.
1: I don't know what movie it is for me, but I know there is one out there that that's like that, but I knew, I knew dirty. And, dancing there, was and there's this,
0: there's this weird bit of serendipity where like,
1: you don't actually want to sit. You don't want to sit down. I, and-
0: I, I would actually, I just <laughs> don't want to. Um, but it's like every time, it's on TV and like for a long time it was coming on like ABC family, like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: every Wednesday, it was like just on the schedule for like every Wednesday. And every time I'd flip channels, it was always at the part Nobody puts baby in a corner. And then what I love about this movie too, is it's set in 1962 or 1963, whatever it is. So I'm a, I'm kind of a musicologist They were using an Otis Redding song that wasn't recorded until 1967. And then at the end of that movie, when he dances to I've Had the Time of My Life, (laughs) they've got 80s synth bass just pumping right there, you know, Uh and 80s drums. Uh I'm just like, that wouldn't have happened. This
1: isn't even the time.
0: (laughs) But I'm crazy for Swayze. (laughs) (laughs) All right, enough tomfoolery faith. What did you think of The Lost Boys?
1: I Actually, I like this movie a lot. I have a few things to say about it, but overall, I really do like the movie. I will say it feels, see if you agree with me, it kind of feels like like uh, the Karate Kid or like E.T. meets a horror movie in a way. Yeah. It, well,
0: of,
1: like c- one of those type it, of movies. Because there's
0: a very strong coming of age theme right. with it, and I think that might be what you're picking up. and. Yes. Those are '80s movies, oh, and this yeah. is '80s, and and they they have that kind of commonality mm-hmm. to them. Um, before I get into some thoughts on the movie, I want to say this: I have a bone to pick. Okay. With film historians. <laughs> okay. For real. All right, All right. go for you it. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> so, when film historians talk about the great moments in film history. Mm-hmm. The quintessential mm-hmm. moments that define this genre. And you out there listening, you're movie fans, and you know that this genre can do things that no other genre can do. It, it because you can edit, because you can, you know, you can do close ups. You know, it's a lot different from stage. Right. Yeah, it's it's this beast all into itself. So the quintessential mm-hmm. cinema moments, though, you know, that define this genre. And I'm talking about moments like the shower scene in Psycho. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, that might be one of the greatest moments. Yeah. That's pure cinema. I'm talking about Julie Andrews and the opening of the sound of music. What a beautiful shot that Mm -hmm. is. That's something that you can only do in movies. I'm talking about the audience learning that Bruce Willis is dead in the sixth Mm -hmm. sense. I'm talking about Darth Vader revealing to Luke Skywalker that he's his father, that the quintessential film moments, Mm -hmm. right? When they make the list of the greatest moments of film, where is Tim Capello and his saxophone <laughs> on that list? Why is that not on the list? I
1: wasn't expecting that.
0: Why is the super buff dude with a ponytail, not the on shirtless the list? super buff dude right? with a ponytail who gyrates when he plays <laughs> because he still believes not on that list?
1: That's a really good question.
0: When while he's playing his saxophone, or should I say, saxophone? Yeah,
1: we might have to write to someone and find out why it's not on the list. That's a great question.
0: It is a great question. Tim Capello is actually the real deal. Tim Capello has had a very long and illustrious career in the music industry. He's played with Tina Turner for years and years and years. He's done session work with a lot of people, and this is what he is best remembered for is this right here. He still believes too. one thing that I absolutely love about that scene is that everybody is so into it. They're just so into Does it. Does he
1: really do that in real life?
0: Yes. Oh, he's known for his really his uh sexual thrust. <laughs> I love it. That, that is so eighties to me. That is like, that is just like so eighties like this, yes. like biker surfer, dude from Muscle Beach I didn't expect
1: that I don't think
0: (laughs) what did you think when that was happening
1: I was like wait is this the right movie
0: (laughs) that's the right movie all right (laughs) and uh before I get into it too I want to offer apologies to the doors because I'm about to criticize a lyric or I should (laughs) say apologies to Jim Morrison uh Echo and the Bunny Men cover people are strange uh, to a really good cover of People are strange. The soundtrack to this movie is really good. Yeah, it's is really it good. But there's the line in "People Are Strange" where they say, uh, "You know, no one remembers your name, but when you're strange." I remember the names of everybody I've met that I've considered strange.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I think I like I think Eric. I do too. Like <laughs> Eric
0: was the little redheaded kid in third grade who used to climb up on the cabinets because he had like eighty. Add or something, oh or gosh. was you know undiagnosed with something like I I remember their names. I remember their names.
1: It's I feel like that's hard to forget. I mean, right? You know,
0: right. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry to all the Doors fans out there for <laughs> crapping on Jim Morrison. Hey, but anyway,
1: <laughs> I mean, you got to sometimes.
0: <laughs> I I really like this movie. I I like this movie. Um, I tried not to put nostalgia blinders on. With this movie, I revisit this movie semi regularly, and and I like I like the uh, the mashup of the coming of age story, uh-huh. like we talked about, and then the uh, the horror film. And I think both elements are handled pretty delicately, and I feel like they're handled appropriately. I don't feel like one overshadows the other, no. and I think that the I think that the movie is actually pretty horrific too. And I think that really works in its favor.
1: Yeah. I wanted more horrific stuff. I
0: I could have done with more horrific stuff too. Because when
1: we got it, it was really good and it was fun. It was cool to see. Right. So you're like, Ooh, let's, let's have some more of that. And so I I think just a little bit kind of thrown, you know, I would have liked, but
0: I, uh, I have a, I have a few criticisms of the movie that I'm going to get to. I'm going to address those Mm -hmm. in a minute. Let's talk about, um, some good things going on with this movie. I think Joel Schumacher is a real plus for this movie mm-hmm. because he did make the decision to uh, age up the vampires to, right. to the late teens, yeah. and I really think I think it would have been a funny movie with little vampires, maybe terrifying and chilling, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think this really works with the with I the don't, whole coming I don't of know. Age.
1: Yeah, I don't think it that, and then I don't feel like it could have or would have been. As dark or as yeah, you know, horrific I'll, I'll if they there. were a little older.
0: I'll go there. Joel Schumacher, um, he was a very good director. Mm-hmm. He really was. And he left us uh, in 2020. He was 80 years old. I did not realize the man Me was neither. that old. He is, unfortunately, as we said, uh, remembered for his two Batman movies, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And he is still pretty maligned for those movies. Now I understand if you're watching them and you watch the two Tim Burton films and then you go into the Schumacher films, that can be a little jarring. Uh, I'm not going to be an apologist for those movies. Uh, I get the criticisms lobbed at those movies. Also, I have read 1950s and 1960s Batman comic books. He was making 1950s and 1960s Batman comic book films. Okay. (laughs) So he was making the books that he grew up reading because he was a Batman fan. Mm. And to his credit, he heard that the fans really hated Batman and Robin and he apologized to them. He said, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, you know, more power to him. I think he was a really good director. Here's some movies he directed. St. Elmo's Fire, A Time to Kill. He started uh, Matthew McConaughey on the road to superstardom with that. Eight millimeter with one of our favorites, Nicolas Mm -hmm. Cage. We got to get to that on the show. Uh, The Client and uh he also really kind of gave Colin Farrell his big start. So uh I think he was a very good director. I think it's unfortunate that you know the the Batman thing yeah. thing follows him. Right. But uh, and I'm not going to lie, I actually kind of like his Batman movies. <laughs> hey, like we and said I before, don't apologize.
1: The show, they're not the worst thing you've ever seen. They may not be the best, but they're not the worst. So you know, there's there's definitely there's way, a time and place for that. Yeah, and there's way yeah. more horrible things to spend time yeah. with.
0: <laughs> I think he does a really wonderful job with this movie, with the storytelling of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with the prologue, because in the prologue, we meet the vampires on the boardwalk. A security guard kicks them out. They uh, dispatch the security guard. But you don't really know what's happening. And I love that the movie opens with the flying shot, you know, yes. and then you come to realize that it's them flying in. Mm-hmm. You see them, you can introduce them in a very cool way on the carousel and then they kill the guy and it's kind of a callback to that flying shot over the water. They fly over the parking lot and they pull up this guy, but you don't see them do it. Mm-hmm. You don't know what exactly is happening. I love the mystery of it I do and see. it's kind of horrific and it doesn't show much and it's the Hitchcock thing of it. He lets it play out in your mind and I think... Very true. I think it's, I think it's really, really well done. I think a lot of this is really well done. I think there's a real dreamy element to some of the things in Mm -hmm. this movie. Like when Michael's turning into the vampire and there's smoke and fog and he's falling and there's several scenes, you know, and you see him falling through the smoke and then he falls onto his bed, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's been sleeping for hours. And I think that he just does a really good job of showing uh, the audience, you know, something has happened, but you're not quite, not quite sure. sure. And I love that. And I love that they hold off revealing that they're vampires. Me too. Because if you don't know going in, you, you wouldn't know. Right. I love that. You wouldn't know at all. And I think it really just has a lot of great atmosphere to it. I love the way that he lights the movie with mm-hmm. those reds, you know, yes. there's, there's reds when there's danger. Look, this is, These are very simple concepts that he's using, but simple concepts are always effective. And he uses them extremely effective. The set decoration with all of the uh, taxidermy and and all this and the look, because all of the look comes from Schumacher. That's his his input with making them older, making them kind of more of a biker gang, you know, And, and the look comes from Schumacher. This thing was pretty culturally significant when it came out. And, you know, I mean, we, you, you knew what the lost boys right. was. So that comes from him. I think he did a really wonderful job with this movie. And this is one that I would kind of, uh, uh want people to see like, oh man, he did those Batman movies. No, go watch, go watch, watch the this. lost boys. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, another movie before we move on, he did the musical version of the Phantom of the Opera. I am not a fan of the musical and, and listen, here's the, deal. I didn't really like the movie either. It was beautiful to look at though. It, it I have just seen that one, just, I've, seen, he, I've seen pictures of he it. He like... did a wonderful job adapting mm-hmm. that. And you can tell that he loved the material. And that's one thing that always comes through to me with Joel Schumacher movies. You can tell he always loves the material, even like Batman and Robin. He's loving yeah. this. He's loving I... it. And... Uh, I think he made a really good movie and Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland are on record as saying the movie succeeded because of him and he allowed input from all of the actors and let them collaborate with him on on making the script better and their characters Mm -hmm. and they said they had a really great time making this movie.
1: That's awesome. So
0: there you go. So rest in peace, Joel.
1: I know. Did a great I job. I did not know he was eighty. Did a
0: great job. It, I, he did. It would it, 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 uh, it upset me when I heard that he mm-hmm. died last year. Really, and I, it yeah. was you know it's just like oh wow okay. I know. He was uh, he was one of the dudes. Mm-hmm. You know he was one of the dudes. <laughs> we we have a really good cast here that he mm-hmm. that he helped assemble. And really, you only had one kind of known name. Well, two maybe kind of known names at the time. Corey Haim had done some things. He was in Silver Bullet. We talked about Silver Bullet on the show. We liked mm-hmm. him and that movie. Uh, Diane Weist had won an Academy Award for Hannah and her sisters from Woody Allen. Uh, so she was known and it was a shock to Schumacher that he got her. He asked, he was, <laughs> she was kind of the choice, and they were like, Yeah, she's never gonna do it. Oh yeah, she came and did it. So <laughs> Um, Bernard Hughes was a character actor. He was kind of, uh, Bernard, Hare, uh, Edward, Edward Herman, uh, best known for the Gilmore girls, uh, playing Max. He was kind of known, you know, but really, but these, these young cast was very unknown. Mm-hmm. I think he picked some good ones. I think so. <laughs> I really think he picked some good ones. I want to start, well, where would you like to start with the cast? I'm good Wherever. I would like to start with the gentleman who, for me, defines this film and the look of this film. And when you see the poster, he's who you go to on the poster and just his presence in this movie. And that is Kiefer Sutherland (laughs) as David. Joel Schumacher is on record as saying that while they're making this movie, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was proving himself to be one of the great character actors of all time. And I, I think his career has borne out... That he mm-hmm. has been a leading actor, he's been a supporting actor, and he's had careers. He's one of the first big guys to go do television with Twenty Four, mm-hmm. and I think he's a really good actor. I think he's a really good dude. Yeah, dude um, me too. I've mentioned this on the show before. Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in Smallville, has a podcast called Inside of Me. He had Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland on the show, and they talked a lot about this movie. And I fell in love with both of those guys. And Rosenbaum loves this movie. So, so yeah, he was getting good stuff out of them. But uh-huh. they seem like genuinely good guys, both of them. But Kiefer Sutherland, just just the look, the the delivery, the way he says Michael in this movie. Um, him, even when he's not a vampire, he's he, scary. He,
1: he is like a total vibe. Like, he literally, he's a vibe. Like, yeah. <laughs> he really is. There, he just... He's so cool, authoritative and too. And, authoritative
0: because yeah. you can tell he's the leader of these guys, you know. Right. And and but there's also this thing where you really want to get close to him too. Right. There's a seductive quality, exactly. To him. Very vampiric. Yes, you know. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's kind of rooted in classic vampire mm-hmm. lore, but he's doing the '80s teen punk thing, right? And he's just a really good actor and he has this thing that you and I both really like. He has presence. He does. He has presence he really and he does. can't teach presence. No. And he's got it and this is coming off of Stand By Me, uh, which he was in with, also with Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. another one of the bigger names in the movie at the time right. because of the Goonies and Stand By Me, but uh, he played the villain in both movies with Corey Feldman. <laughs> so, but um, Kiefer Kiefer's really good. Check out some of his music too. He's a, He's a really good singer songwriter, acoustic guitar player. That's cool. Not he'll he'll tell you he's not the greatest thing in the world, but he can play and he can That's write, and he cool. writes he writes real music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's real emotions. It's real songs. You know? I need to listen I, have, it, I haven't heard him. It's it's in that kind of country singer songwritery okay. vein, and he's he's really good. He very can do, cool. he can do the thing. All right. Another guy doing the thing in this movie uh, is Jason Patrick, who who carries the coming of age part of Mm -hmm. this playing Michael Jason Patrick is the son of horror royalty he is the son of Jason Miller who played father Karras in the exorcist the young priest okay and his father was nominated for an academy award for that he's also showbiz royalty his grandfather was Jackie Gleason although he never really knew him so very cool um, and he has never traded in on he didn't know him he he right. talks about that in the interview. He's just Gleason, yeah. for whatever reason, was kind of standoffish. But um Jason Patrick, uh Schumacher wanted him in this movie very badly, and he got him in this movie. And I think the movie's better for Jason Patrick being it. what, do you, what so. do you think of Patrick's performance? Because I think nothing else works.
1: I was gonna say he like he just he plays that so well. He you can feel him. He he works well with others. I feel like him and his relationship with Sam is so good. But he's also just the way he responds to to David and stuff. Just he he feels like that kind of that's lost, the, it, yeah, lost
0: teen, lost teen. He's got, he's playing looking, it so yeah. well.
1: Like you can you can tell there's something, you know, there's there's a the divorce kind of hanging over. Yeah, and you can kind of feel that off of him, and he plays it so well
0: what I liked about it too, it wasn't very showy. He, no, he not kept at all. a lot of it kind of in, in and like I, an
1: emo teen.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I feel
1: like he played that really well.
0: Totally. And I think, I think it really works for the movie. I think so. I, I really think it works for the movie. And, and what I like about him too, I've always liked this about actors. We've, we've said this on the show before. We like actors who can be menacing. Well, we've got one with Kiefer Sutherland. who yeah. can be menacing. It doesn't even seem like he's trying, uh, <laughs> But Jason Patrick, there's something I admire about actors who can be vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable, mm-hmm. especially like men, you know. Right. And I feel like he's emotionally vulnerable without being kind of showy about it. I think so. You know, because too. he's really scared about what's happening mm-hmm. to him. He's really scared that he tried to kill his brother. He's really scared about all of these changes happening yeah. to him. Yeah. And then like you hit the nail on the head. You got the divorce hanging over all of this. And it's and it's a really good performance. It and is. They said that he fought for quality.
1: Mm-hmm. Here,
0: he fought for reality, and 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 not that he was fighting with people, but he. Right. They said he was a liaison from the cast to Schumacher, and Schumacher really respected him. And uh, I think Patrick said he could be a pain in the ass at times, and I've heard <laughs> he can be, but it's always in serve trying to service, not him, service the the whole product. Think, yeah. yeah. I think it's a really great performance. It really I is. I really, really do. It really is. He's a got great a great look about him and, and and I love him in this. Uh very quickly, uh the vampire gang themselves are great. Oh, awesome. What do you think what do you think of I mean they they all look like a biker gang. They kind of look like uh rejects from Khan's uh <laughs> guys in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan in a do. lot of ways, don't they? <laughs> they kind of do um I love the look of them. Let's talk about the look of the vampires real quick. Uh what do you think of the actual like vampire? look uh, i love that I it, it. you could see the actor uh-huh. there
1: yeah i love that it didn't take on this like overly i don't know it still felt like them but yeah. like they were trans- just transforming a little bit out longer of longer than yeah. the
0: eyes the eyes th- those contacts really carried a lot of it right yeah they look otherworldly but still look but human still look that, that has always bothered me when you look otherworldly but but human, <laughs> human yeah yeah uh, one of our favorites. I didn't realize we shared this in common until we we got into uh, talking about the doing the movie. Jamie Gertz. I'm a huge oh, fan God. of Jamie Gertz. I had a I had a crush on Jamie Gertz. <laughs> oh, I love her. Back in the day, she would pop up. Uh, uh, first time I remember seeing her was in a Pepsi commercial with Michael J. Fox, and then <laughs> she was in a movie called Solar Babies that Jason Patrick was in. But uh, late '80s, early '90s, I, I I had a crush on Jamie Gertz, and rightfully so, you. right? Uh, She plays star star. That's another reference to Peter Pan. Second, second star of the right straight on till morning. Um, I'll go ahead and say this now. This is not a criticism directed at her. I do feel like the love story between Michael and star is a little rushed, Rushed. maybe a little forced. Maybe we don't see enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really like her performance because she's going through what he's going through and you can feel the, the, the disconnect. You know, mm-hmm. and the desire not to be an evil murder and some bitch and bloodlust and <laughs> vampire. So in that respect, I think she does really wonderful with what she I think has. so.
1: Yeah, my only knock. I feel like you're just not getting enough of like their romantic side or something. It just kind of feels like it that doesn't is, make any sense for like, you know. It feels very rushed. So,
0: and that is that is one of those little things that could yeah. put this movie just on that completely other level. That, that one of those little things. Mm-hmm. But she's very good, and she she covers up a multitude of sins with the way that that's written. But right. she's she's very she's very good. Yes, she's very good in this. Uh, let's talk about the two adults, Diane Weist. I love her. <laughs> Playing Lucy. Well, we have three adults. I'm sorry. Barnard mm-hmm. Hughes plays her her dad, who is never mentioned by name. He's no. just grandpa. You have a really interesting theory here. I and do. then we have the head vampire Max, uh, played by Edward Herman, beloved by many people for his role on the Gilmore Girls and never beloved. Seen it beloved by a lot of people who listen to audible because he was one of their uh, big narrators for their audiobooks. had a great voice. Okay. He was a wonderful actor. He was a, he was a character actor who would just pop up and stuff. Always a, always a welcome you know, thing when he would, when he would pop up. Edward Herman seems like the kind of guy who should have been in John Carpenter's the thing.
2: Yeah, doesn't he seem like I he would have fit that. right in
0: there? <laughs> so he plays Max, the owner of the video store, and spoiler: Max is the head vampire. Let's start with Diane Weist. I love Diane Weest. She's got this quirky, she's like so kooky, cute, like, sweet yeah. quality to her that. I think Renee Zellweger wants to kind of have. Yeah, but, she but, wants to be her, but it doesn't yeah. really
1: come out. It does, she doesn't really portray it.
0: <laughs> and uh, the divorce hangs over this movie, that rite of passage, you know, the divorce for the kids, too, you know, yeah. that rite of passage. And uh, she's very supportive and mom and is trying to put it together. And you can tell that she cares and things are unraveling mm-hmm. before. Her. And she's very steady, though, and very lovable, very she likable. Is. She's very, very, uh-huh. very likable. And she's an actress that I like in pretty much everything I see her in. She's, to me, like Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, <laughs> when you see Hackman in something, the movie can be crap. Jack Hackman's...
1: Mitchell liked the performance.
0: Hackman's, <laughs> Hackman's going to be good. Oh, yeah. But uh, she's, she's wonderful. Bernard Hughes brings this really neat kind of out-there hippie quality. To this which i which oh. i really like and a lot of the humor comes from him in this movie and uh the movie is very funny mm-hmm. the movie is. really is very it funny really we're going to talk about the two characters for me that make it funny in just a second faith and all uh, of you out there know, <laughs> know who we're going to talk about um just a, a really really fun presence in this movie mm-hmm. uh and then as we said we have max as uh he's the head vampire now faith this was a first time watch for you mm-hmm. So my first question, <laughs> did you think that David, played by Kiefer Sutherland, was the head vampire?
1: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because okay. yeah, I felt like, I mean, because we don't really get a story, really. But I feel like it, there was something bigger going on than just okay. this little plan okay. going on.
0: <laughs> so as the movie is happening, you yes. are doing your best to <laughs> suss out who <laughs> is the head vampire. Yes. Who did you think was the head vampire? So
1: I thought as the movie was going on, it would have been interesting if Grandpa was the vampire, the head that, vampire.
0: Right. Because that,
1: he was very, he stayed to himself. He didn't like going to town. I mean, he just stayed in the room and stuff. animals all But you do see him during the day. You do. That's true. But
0: but Dracula could walk around he, during the day in the he, Bram Stoker novel. He wasn't very powerful, but he could walk yeah. around during the day. So that would have been a nice throwback. You,
1: you, you never know.
0: That would have been interesting. It would have been really interesting. <laughs> right? Um,
1: I mean, he knew about him obviously.
0: <laughs> and Edward Herman, when you think of Max as the head vampire,
1: he's not what I was expecting. Good
0: reveal, though, yeah. wasn't
1: it? A really good reveal, but yeah, definitely. Not, I don't think I was expecting him. I liked his motive too. Uh-huh.
0: I really liked his motive. Yeah, it was L- pretty cool. I L- like L- the motive. Um, another minor quibble with the movie is uh, they could have saved themselves a lot of trouble a lot of grief could have been saved if grandpa had just come out and told them that there were vampires right? in Santa Carla from the beginning. Although it would have taken away that great, right? that great last line. Oh
1: my God. Yeah. The ending of the movie wouldn't have been the same. if.
0: <laughs> right. You wouldn't have gotten that great joke.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. We have, uh, my two favorite characters in the movie. Oh yeah. We have the frog brothers played <laughs> by Jameson Newland and Corey Feldman. And, uh, Joel Schumacher's note to them was to dress like the action heroes of the day. That is why they look like a cross between Chuck Norris and Rambo, okay? <laughs> I mean, the red bandana is just the defining characteristic of the of the Frog I brothers. Know. So, as I was watching the movie, I kept thinking of Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing and Dracula, but completely incompetent <laughs> and 13 years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> they uh they're they're a breath of fresh air in this movie. Yes. They're they're uh, it's kind of real classic comedy construction though. The two kind of oddball,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, goofy characters that goes back to uh, you know Laurel and Hardy and uh, even you know something which would have been more recent like the Ghostbuster type characters. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> but they're completely kind of but they are right about things, which they is what's are. which is what's amazing, and they're comic nerds <laughs> on top of it, which. I kind of sympathize with what was what was your thoughts on the Frog brothers because they're oh, such an integral part of this movie
1: they're just amazing it's just what are they like 13 14 they're yeah. just on a mission and they know I love that they're like we're gonna get them and then something happens and they scream and then <laughs> it's like okay we gotta we gotta get them
0: I love how completely kind of self unselfaware unaware they are you know like it, it just uh, but they're right that's the thing they're, they're right. right and i love that line about uh and we also think that maybe werewolves and aliens that have infiltrated city hall and listen maybe they did yes we don't know yes i love i, I did i thought they were just absolutely were so wonderful and Corey feldman so had i mean it's a shame we're going to talk about that in a second it really is a shame um what a what a wonderful early career that guy had. No, and, you no. know, he he was so good in so many things, and he uh, he had it. He you see it here. He had it. Funny enough, uh, he was battling cocaine addiction at the time. It's and Joel Schumacher, crazy. who had beat his demons, mm-hmm. Corey Feldman came in and fell asleep. And Joel Schumacher said, "You're fired." You know, he told him what was up, and he says, "Get it together, man." And he started kind of getting it together during this shoot. Mm-hmm. This shoot was a very joyful shoot. Apparently this shoot was a very joyful shoot for the last character we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, we got one before that. We got to mention Nanook.
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> Nanook the Husky and Nanook, <laughs> another Peter Pan reference, Nana, Nana's the dog and Peter Pan Nanook and Nanook, Nanook gets, gets her a vampire mm-hmm. in this movie. Knocks him right into that. Uh, <laughs> In that bath yes. before we get to it because there's 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 gonna be a little heavy stuff coming up so um what do you think about, let's talk about the last scene real quick the last scene uh which involves uh the assault on the house and just the booby traps so, were you just loving all of that
1: oh, absolutely that was some of my favorite stuff in that whole movie right <laughs> it's just fun
0: <laughs> right when this movie is fun it's a lot like the monster squad isn't it
1: yes it is yeah yeah
0: good stuff all right, so we got to talk about Corey Haim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late Corey Haim plays Sam in this movie. In a lot of ways, he's kind of—he
1: was my favorite. <laughs> he's the
0: second lead, really. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Sam and Michael playing the brothers. And uh, we talked about him in Stephen King's *Silver Bullet* as an episode that's available. Uh, you can check that out. Did we? Did we pair that with *The Dead Zone*? I believe we did. Possibly. We did Silver Bullet in the Dead Zone, and uh, we both really fell in love with Silver Bullet, and he is wonderful in Silver Bullet. He's wonderful here. Corey Haim was a very wonderful talent. Uh Uh, What did you think about the character of Sam here? Because a lot of the humor outside of the frogs, Frog Brothers comes from Corey Haim.
1: I loved him. He was he was my actual favorite character. I liked his humor. I just feel like he felt like a real kid, you know? And it just
0: and he has the best line in the movie, which is my own brother, a shit sucking vampire. Wait till mom, <laughs> mom finds, out. <laughs> finds out. Yeah, and I love that he was playing the humor and being scared, mm-hmm. and also he loved his brother. Yeah, and I mean that was that was that was really yeah. great.
1: It felt very genuine.
0: Yeah. We're going to get into something here, uh, in a second and it opens up because of the nature of the movie and because of Corey Haim and because of Corey Feldman and, uh, Corey Haim, Corey Haim was abused.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Corey Feldman was abused too. There were, they were both in Hollywood at that time, Hollywood today, <laughs> but, uh, it was really ramping up then as far as my research has told me, you know, uh, with pedophilia and molestation of these young, young kids and Corey, Cory Haim. Um, if you look at the trajectory of his life, it, it just screams, mm-hmm. you know, abuse, yeah, you know, and Anthony Edwards, uh, famous for playing goose in top gun and Dr. Green on ER. He was abused as a, as a child actor too. And he said, you know, there's kids out there that are, that need to speak up and there are men that need to heal. And, and I don't know that he got to heal. I think he took his life. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. there was addiction problems as you can well imagine. And, and, it's, it's an absolute shame and a travesty and tragedy that should not happen. No, I know. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But one of the things that that opens up is, one of the things that I like about this movie, it's right there on the town, Santa Carla. Then you go on the backside of the billboard, and it says murder capital of the world, and that there's this hidden side to things. Right. Kind of like... Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Like there's this dark underbelly Mm -hmm. and that this being perpetrated by the people in power. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, it's kind of all right there for you
0: (laughs) for a long time, a long time. That was conspiracy theory talk. And unfortunately we are seeing that kind of born out more and more each day. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that born out more and more each day. Yeah. Um, let's get into this. If, if what I'm about to tell you is hard for you to hear, I'm not going to apologize because you need to hear it. You need, you need to hear this. Mm -hmm. This is not a Republican thing. This is not a Democrat thing. This is a human being thing. And we have a nice audience here. We have a, a smaller audience, but we have a nice loyal audience. And right now, Faith and I get to advocate for the children. Mm-hmm. And we get to be advocates for the kids and for humanity. Okay, let's get into this. Santa Carla in the movie is the murder capital of the world. And there's these 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 signposts up with missing children everywhere, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Right. In the United States of America, each year, 800,000 kids go missing. Mm -hmm. Across the world, 8 million million. kids are reported missing. Now, many of them are found in in most instances. But let's talk about the ones that aren't found. What happens to those kids? Well, human trafficking, Mm -hmm. sex trafficking, crimes against humanity. We have. I don't want you to think if if, uh, if you're thinking we're getting political here. This is not some right wing conspiracy th- show. No, it's not that at all. We have a major crisis going on at the southern border of the United States right now, and a lot of times it's these cartel people. They're they're smuggling kids yes. up through up through the border mm-hmm. under the guise of oh it's families it's families mm-hmm. it's families. A lot of times it's not, no, it's, not, it's, not. It no. it's not what it is. It's not what it is. Let's let me let me say this: cannibalism is alive and well. That did not die out with the Aztecs. That that is not something from antiquity. That is something that is very much alive. I would like to direct you to look up Marina Ambremovich and spirit cooking. Follow that rabbit hole down. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to look at. Follow it. I want you to be prepared because people are starting to wake up to this. And I really believe and I hope and I pray and I know faith does too that it all comes out. I don't want you to be unprepared for this. This crap is out there. Okay. I'm not making this. And this movie opens it up to talk about this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think everybody needs to.
0: Let's talk about what happened. Open their eyes. Let's talk about what happened in British Columbia recently. They, uh, using ground penetrating radar at a school that was closed in 1978, it was an indigenous school is what they call it because they would separate the indigenous children from their parents and mm-hmm. they would bring them to these boarding schools. They found a grave of 215 children as young as three. It's just a, it's just a drop because tens of thousands of kids were killed at these schools.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In Ireland, Ireland, 800 800 babies found in a septic tank at St. Mary's, which is a Catholic place for unwed murdered uh, mothers. Okay. You still with me out there? So we've got people like Jeffrey Epstein. We've got people like Harvey Weinstein. We've got the Catholic church. The Vatican's doing it. Mm -hmm. That's hard for you to hear. I'm sorry. Do your research on some of these Catholic charities, especially the ones operating at the border. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Start looking at that. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that hard for you to hear too? Mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey was running actresses to Harvey Weinstein. Oprah Winfrey and her school over there, uh, was it in Africa? Mm-hmm. They were yes. uh, this John of God pedophile that she was all buddy-buddy with. You don't hear too much about him and their friendship anymore. Listen, listen, this this was going on. They were also getting traffic through the Disney Cruise Line and they were taking them to the Epstein Island. Look up what really was going on on Epstein's Island. In fact, look up the uh, temple-like structure on Epstein's Island and then compare that to the set of Ellen DeGeneres' talk show. Now, you tell me what you find there. Now, let's get into it. 2016, Pizzagate breaks. That's a WikiLeaks thing. The mass media in this country, who is not your friend? They are not your friend. Uh, no. They wanted to tell you that, oh, that was nothing. That was illegal. 2016, Pizzagate, John Podesta, his emails started getting leaked. The uh, emails that go to Hillary Clinton. And let's see, they start talking about walnut sauce and pizza sauce and pizza. Okay, these are verified signs and symbols and codes for pedophiles, okay? Mm-hmm. How far down does the rabbit hole go? Well, back in the day, the Aztecs, they used to uh, harvest adrenochrome. This this is something that these cannibals do. Where does adrenochrome come from? What is it? Well, it comes from the pineal gland. It has a cult significance. They like to drink it. How do they harvest it? They harvest it through fear. They scare these kids because it's better before puberty. They like to scare them. They, they, so they conduct ritual abuse on them. Mm-hmm. They scare them and then they torture them and they kill them and they take this, they they harvest their uh, adrenochrome from their pineal gland and they drink it. They they there's synthetic adrenochrome and it's good apparently as the real stuff. Okay, I don't like being the one to tell you this. I'm sorry if this is upsetting you and if you think we're crazy, turn off the show. Don't come back and and I'm okay. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> but do you research on this? This movie talks about this stuff. The thing where he spills the milk in the uh, in the kitchen and that milk spills and that sexual component. Yep. And this whole thing with feeding on these young people, mm-hmm. this is all in this movie. Okay. Hollywood, you know, I'm not saying these people, Joel Schumacher was into this. I don't think he was, I don't think so. but Maybe he um, was, uh... a lot of, a lot of Hollywood, um, a lot of Hollywood movies are coded with mm-hmm. this stuff. They'd love to tell you what they're doing and look at Gloria Vanderbilt and Anderson Cooper. That's uh, that's his mom, Gloria Vanderbilt. Look at their art. Look at John Podesta's art. Look at John Podesta's brother's uh, art that they have up in their house. Look at what Ellen DeGeneres has up in her house. Look at what Tom Hanks has on his Instagram account. Hollywood. Uh, these the, the, the these kids these kids that come out of Hollywood, Amanda Bynes, look at her, Lindsay Lowen, look at her, look at all of these young child stars that just go absolutely off the reservation. Okay. Why is that? Could it be that there are people at Nickelodeon like Dan Schneider who are abusing them? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. We just had one uh, in the news. Uh, uh, what was his name uh, that got arrested for, uh, for abusing a minor? It was uh, Drake Bell. Drake is Bell. that his name? Drake mm-hmm. Bell. All right. Look at Amanda Bynes. Look at Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Look at what happens to them. Look at, uh, they get initiated into the school. Okay. Mm -hmm. Look at the tweets of James Gunn. Now you tell me, is that somebody trying to be funny or is that something else there? Look at Chrissy Teigen. I'm not talking about the bullying tweets that came out. I'm talking about go look at what she was saying about toddlers and TRs. (laughs) He, you mean? Yeah. There you go. So what I'm saying is the world is not what you think. No. You're a horror movie fan, though. Out there, you. If you're listening to the show, you're a horror movie fan. You know this already. Hopefully, you're hip to to this already. This is an inconvenient truth, and arrests and raids are mean are being made all over the world. I mean, I'm 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 seeing news all the time. They're they're busting these rings because they're rings. They're rings. They they. It's not isolated incidents. Mm -hmm. No, no, they're all part of networks. Okay, and the elites are very much part of it. I'm talking royal family. So my advice is to wake up it's difficult i did it faith did it the information is out there you just have to look for it now be careful when you look for it how you know you know yeah. how you're looking for it but it's out there start connecting the pieces and uh if you need to listen to the secret teachings with Ryan Gable that is a podcast on fringe fm i highly recommend it in fact he just did a wonderful show on the kids uh did you know this out there that there was a plane full of kids that just landed in chattanooga tennessee in the middle of the night and then they were uh picked up on buses and they were just taken to parts unknown the uh the administration occupying the white house right now says that well tennessee's in the middle of the country so of course that's where they went and and at three o'clock in the morning we had to take them to lovely homes these kids have not been heard from since okay where are they going where are they going that is my question That's my question. Those are the real lost boys, the real lost girls. Okay. I'm imploring all of you out there to wake up. If this bothered you, I hope it did. I hope it bothered you enough to go look at this information. Don't trust me on this. Go verify it, go verify it, but you're going to find out that this is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm sorry if this, if this upsets you out there, but you have to know about this because people are starting to wake up to this and we better start waking up to it because it's been going on for a long time. And frankly, I'm sick of it. Me too. I know you're sick of (laughs) it too. And I know all of you out there have hearts and are human beings. We've said it before in the show. This is not right versus left, black versus white, Republican versus Democrat. This is, are you standing with humanity? This is wrong versus right, good
1: versus evil. Are you standing
0: with these evil sons of bitches? Because that's what it is. (laughs) I want to end with this. Uh, Missingkids.org. That is a website. If you have any information on kids that are missing, you can uh, get in touch with them. Uh, Through the website, their phone number is 1-800-843-5678. If you know anything about any of that, please, please speak up and start waking up. Mm -hmm. Please. Start waking up. So there you go. We're going to take a very short break. (laughs) This is a news break, so uh, be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. We're gonna have a few laughs, okay? I know, I know it got heavy, and again, I just, uh, I, we had the opportunity to advocate tonight for the children, mm-hmm. and need it needed to be done. Yeah. Anytime you have an opportunity to do that, you know, and the only last thing I'll say about that is, uh, do your research on this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and wake other people up to pass that on.
1: Yeah. So
0: there you go. There you go. I am Dan, and I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side.
1: We brought you an exclusive report on the findings of the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff. Dan, please refresh our listeners' memories as to the content of their findings.
0: Thank you, Faith. The Institute discovered that if you substitute the word wiener into the titles of Steven Seagal films, it's really funny. Well, guess what?
1: We have more wiener news.
0: That's right, Faith. Utilizing a $2.5 trillion grant from the United States government as well as several large donations from private companies, the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff has discovered that if you insert the word wiener into the names of Oscar-winning films for Best Picture, it's pretty funny. So the King's Speech becomes...
1: The King's Wiener. No Country for Old Men becomes...
0: No Country for Old Wiener. Or, No Wiener for Old Men. Million Dollar Baby becomes...
1: Million Dollar Wiener. And finally... A beautiful mind becomes...
0: A beautiful wiener. While we here at the Late Night Fright do not agree with the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff getting all that tax money to insert the word wiener into film titles...
1: Who are we to argue with the results? That is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores in a preview of next week's show.
0: back to the late night fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I, am and I sincerely you. hope all of you are still with us. <laughs> um uh, not to make light of it, we know it's we know it's heavy stuff that we got into there at the end and again, I it needed to be said, it's been said, please do your research. Mm-hmm. Please do your research on that. So back to the Lost Boys, uh I really liked it.
1: I really liked
0: it. <laughs> you really like it. So we are gonna score the film tonight in the overall film category. And in lieu of stars, although there was a very lovely star right. in the movie. Wasn't she lovely? Yeah, she's so really, lovely. She really she she's still lovely. I, love her. I do too. <laughs> uh we're going to award the movie Super Soakers filled with garlic holy, holy water. water.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: because why not? Why why wouldn't you? Right. Why wouldn't you, right? Faith how many super soakers filled with garlic holy water did you award the lost boys
1: i gave it a solid three
0: i also gave it a very solid three it is a very charming time capsule Mm -hmm. but it also borders on timeless it's a it's a great it's a great little teen horror movie Mm -hmm. and it's and it's, and it's kind of up there in that upper echelon of teen yeah. horror movies. It's not dumb. It doesn't talk down. No. I don't yeah. feel
1: like it's dumb. I don't feel like it's cheesy. I feel like not at it's, all. it's just it's no. a really good movie. Great
0: soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a uh, buff, shirtless <laughs> saxophone player making sexually suggestive moves.
1: What more could you want? And he still
0: believes. <laughs> he still believes. I need to mention um, sh- her scenes got cut. But Kelly Jo Minter makes a very brief appearance in this movie. She's a clerk that works in Max's store. And I am on record as saying that Kelly Jo Minter is one of my favorite character actresses of all time. She's appeared in two films that we've done on this show. That would be Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And what was the other one she appeared in? The People Under the Stairs. and the great film critic Roger Ebert had a list of actors. Uh, His list included uh, Harry Dean Stanton and the gentleman who was uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who was in Raising (laughs) Arizona and Blood Simple by the Coen brothers. And he said, if those two guys popped up in a movie, it didn't matter how bad the movie was. He was giving it two stars because they had (laughs) the good sense to cast those, uh, those gentlemen in the movie. Well, that's Kelly Jo Minner for me. I love Kelly Jo Minner and I got excited when I saw her name and I was very disappointed when, you never when saw her. yeah, and it turns out like her scenes were just deleted. Well, that's that sucks. that's what happened. Yeah. But you do get to see uh Alex Winter, Bill Bill S. Preston, and Esquire. Yep. There you go. Yep. We need to do the uh, the second Bill and Ted movie at some point I know. because it's a really nice uh kind of horror comedy. I mean, it's got the devil and death and hell in it. Well, I
1: mean, that's can, horrific.
0: It sure is. <laughs> It sure is. Uh, Lost Boys, just just really, really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, great performances from the older members of the cast and from the younger members of the cast. And this really did launch some careers. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland oh, no. is, is still around. Okay. Uh, Jamie, well, they're all kind of st- still around for the <laughs> most part. Uh, this actually did inspire two sequels that were apparently not very good, but did bring Corey Feldman back. So I think uh, Corey Haim... Uh, Was in the first sequel. He was still with us at the time. And this movie is kind of historic because it is the first time that the two Coreys worked together and they would go on to make several films throughout the rest of the 80s. Seven, I think. Seven seven is what I read too. Yeah. I think the uh, license to drive and dream a little dream. So they were uh, kind of a big deal there. Mm -hmm. Big deal. Really, really awful what happened to both of them. And uh, you hope that uh, things start changing. Hopefully. I hope things start changing. So there, there you go. But uh, Lost Boys, I, I, this is, I think, an essential watch. I
1: think so. I think it's
0: an essential watch. I
1: would say it is. Good
0: vampire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, good uh, good teen movie. Mm-hmm. You know, good good 80s horror movie. Yeah, Good 80s horror movie that's not a slasher movie, too, yeah. which is cool. And we had another great 80s movie we did that's not a slasher movie in Fright Night. You know, mm-hmm. another good vampire movie yeah. and movies that kind of harken back to the classics, mm-hmm. you know, in the genre. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, more power to it. And Joel Schumacher. Good job.
1: Very good job. Good job.
0: Yeah. Uh, this actually has me wanting to do a deep dive on his filmography, mm-hmm. which I think I'm going going to get to because he, he really did. When I was looking at the list, I was like, those are all pretty good movies. Yeah. You know, it's not like he had that, like, just one that just, you know, knocked you out. Right. But But uh, some really good Good genre film. Yeah. So uh seemed like, seemed like a good dude, too. So, mm-hmm. so good job, Joel. Good job, Corey Haim. Hey. Very good job. There you go. Well, we are getting into summer, aren't we? We are. It's getting very <laughs> hot here in Cozy Corner. It's probably getting hot wherever you are in the world at the time of this recording, at least. So um, kind of get into summer. We have one more week before summer.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we're going to do this kind of buffer movie.
1: Which I think this movie actually takes place in summer. Well, so. it takes place
0: in a, in a place that's really hot. So we can attest to it's it. It's
1: nearby to us. Which is very
0: nearby to us. Uh, Faith picked this, and it's a great pick because I haven't seen it since it came out. And
1: oh, wow. I've seen this movie probably 10 to 15 times.
0: Well, you can lead the discussion next week. Faith, what do we have up for post-mortem next week?
1: I chose uh, Skeleton Key from 2005.
0: With Kate, Kate Hudson, Hudson and mm-hmm. uh, Joy Bryant and John Hurt. And the great Jenna Rollins, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm I, looking forward I to really
1: it. I really like this movie. I've always liked it.
0: Got a little voodoo. Yeah. Got a little... Uh, it has uh, a cool vibe to it. Ghost? Yeah, yeah. Ghost, yeah. real atmospheric yeah. movie. The uh, the South is really good for establishing that kind of gothic vibe. Yeah. <laughs> South Louisiana. Thing. So, so that's going to be our kind of buffer getting in the summer. Yeah. And as we get into summer... We'll let you know the order, but we've got uh, cheerleader camp coming up. We've sleepaway camp and Friday the 13th part two, at least maybe we'll even get to three and four. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I think we're just going to pick them out of a hat. We should. We'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> Thank you as always. Always for tuning in. Your support means more to us than than you know. It's it's always a great treat to see that we're being listened to. And not only that we're being listened to, but to see where we're being listened to at.
1: Any Oklahoma people yet?
0: You know, no Oklahoma yet. <laughs> oh my goodness. If you know someone in Oklahoma, please. Send them our show. Please, just, just <laughs> we want one on the map. That's the only one we haven't gotten. I mean, we've gotten Idaho and Wyoming. We have not gotten... Oklahoma. We've Oklahoma. gotten some countries, uh, one that or two, I'd never heard, heard of, of, of. I
1: know, but Oklahoma we, we can't get just Oklahoma. Can't, just can't get on board.
0: It's like, it's like they're like, nope. <laughs> We don't want none of that late no night guff <laughs> up here. And we have nothing but love for Oklahoma. Oh, I know. I mean, the great Leon Russell, uh, the great singer-songwriter, came from Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorites. Come on. Most of the members of Derek and the Dominoes, the band that played with Eric Clapton on Layla, came from Oklahoma. So well, all right. come through for us, Oklahoma. <laughs> come on. Hey, why don't you do it sooner rather than later? Har, har. It was a heavy show tonight at times. So we had to get a little we had to get a little levity in, right? <laughs> yes. Thank you all as always for tuning in. And as always, be happy, be healthy, be safe, be sane.
1: Take your vitamins.
0: Take your vitamins, especially vitamin D and zinc. Wink wink. <laughs> and as the great Don Cornelius of Soul Train said, and I mean this, be good to yourself, be good to your neighbor. We've been saying it a lot and we said it tonight. We got into some of those things. But uh There are people out there that want to divide us on issues of race, creed, gender, sexuality. They want to drive wedges between us because a population that is intent on destroying each other ain't worried about what they're doing. So be cool. Just be cool. Be cool with yourself. Be cool with your neighbor because I've said it before, people want to be left alone. And when people are left alone, people get along, you know, and... and. (laughs) yeah there you go and keep in mind I mean this keep in mind how wonderful this world can be if we can get rid of some of this crap mm-hmm. if we can get rid of this crap I'm ready for it I'm ready for it too I so know all ready of you out it. there are ready for it too so yeah last time it's not a right left issue this is a humanity issue stand with us stand mm-hmm. proudly with us please with humanity and remember there are more of us than there are of them And that is true horror to them. (laughs) Feels like it's at time, doesn't it, Faith? It does. I'll tell you, when Mom finds out you're a vampire, she's going to be pissed. Uh, I know. (laughs) If we snap our fingers, will the magic happen? On the count of three, Faith. One, two, three. Every time.
1: Look at that. It's magic. magic.
0: (laughs) Not not editing. (laughs) Not editing. Thank you all once again for tuning in. And seriously, check out The Secret Teachings with ryan gable and if you are so inclined to go down the rabbit hole even further check out uh, mystery babylon with william cooper those are all available on itunes so there you go it's interesting stuff so (laughs) all right the skeleton key is up next faith take us home
1: may your coffin be cozy in your sarcophagus form
0: may the light of the moon keep you safe from harm
1: be you a vampire spook specter or beast
0: always remember keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a, a leash. leash we'll see you next time